Well, happy uh, 4th of July weekend. Everybody's, I, I can tell you're already excited to light sparklers and blow things up and eat, eat grilled meats and all that kind of stuff. We've actually, af- right after the service out in the lobby, we got a special little small treat for everybody this morning. So we'd love for you to stick around and enjoy that. Something a little cool and refreshing. Uh, I'll, let you, I'll let you be surprised uh, beyond, beyond that. So we've got something for you after the service this morning. I just want to let you know, though, uh, though, whatever we got you came from, like, a good place. And um, it matters where things come from. You know, you know that, right? So when somebody, we make a lot of assumptions when somebody offers us something. So if I were to give you an apple, for example, you, you assume that that apple, you know, came from maybe the grocery store and, and not, not the dumpster out back. Right? I mean, you, there's assumptions, certain assumptions that we make. When somebody says, I have an engagement ring for you, you assume they went to the jewelry store and not to the arcade, you know, get a little winter prize thing. I, I mean, there's, there's certain things that we expect when that happens. So, for example, where, where you get a cup of water from is really important. So if one is, for example, just hypothetically from the water fountain over there in the corner and the other is from the toilet bowl and the bathroom, it would matter when I offer you a drink of water which cup that you pick because one is, is a little bit more unfiltered than the other. So <laughs> might make you sick or make you want to get sick. Where, where something comes from matters. It's obviously the case when it comes to the same things that we put in our bodies, but it's even more important a question to ask or know the answer to when it comes to the things that we put into our minds and into our hearts. And so, you know, we think about um, our worldview, for example, our purpose, our meaning, where that comes from, what we actually believe in, what are our ma- values, our morals, our purpose, hope, and identity, where do those things come from, what matters. But it's not necessarily something that we're thinking about constantly because we're making certain assumptions about the world around us and the people that we know and, and their, how they care for us and our well-being and, and all of those kinds of things. But maybe those things aren't necessarily coming from the place that we think that they are. Now, I'm not suggesting that every situation you're in, every single decision that you make, that you're constantly thinking, well, how does this affect my hope, my values, my meaning, and my purpose? You know, that, that would be completely paralyzing for us to filter everything through those things. But we know that they're key elements to living a meaningful life. Uh, what we do by default is we just kind of get carried along by whatever overarching thing there is that's moving along the things that we're involved in in our life. And, and we just kind of go with the flow that we find ourselves in. So whether that's culturally speaking or whether it has to do with how we're interacting with our family, a lot of times we just kind of get carried along with how we're raised and what our experience has been. Or maybe at our job, we just kind of get carried along by how everybody else operates and whatever, whatever you know, environment and culture that we find ourselves in. But there's a little bit more meaning and purpose that we should be approaching those, those things uh, with in our life. Because the things that we aspire to, that God wants for our life, often get hijacked when we just kind of get carried along by what everybody else is doing. We've got so much swirling around us. We're connected with people and information digitally around the clock. We're being advertised to relentlessly. We're being tracked and traced with Google constantly. Uh, Who knows what kind of ad I'm going to, I don't know, probably toilet bowl cleaner uh, on my phone today uh, just just because of the conversation that we're having. We hear news and biased news um, and more biased news sources, scams, fake news, conspiracies. Everybody's opinion is swirling around constantly, and it's hard to know sometimes what's right, and we get caught up in that. 
And we can often just lose the plot and who God has called us to be. The reality is if we aren't intentional about how we take life in, we'll still be directed along, but it'll be di- we'll be directed along by whatever predominant voice we haphazardly cling to. There's a really pragmatic and practical way that God gives us to do something about this, though. And the psalm that we're in today is all about celebrating what grounds our perspective on the life for which we were created. So we're in Psalm 119 this morning. Psalms is a book of 150 different praises and prayers and poems that are celebrating all kinds of different things about God. And if you turn your Bible to Psalm chapter 119, what you're going to find is 176 verses, the longest chapter in the Bible. And I'm just going to go ahead and let you know, I'm not going to read the entire chapter this morning. You don't want to listen to me. Maybe you do. I don't know. But you don't want to listen to me reading 176 verses for about 15 minutes. Although I can read pretty fast, so we'd get through it maybe in in 12, and and that would be exciting. But we're not going to do that this morning. But at some point this week, I would love for you to commit to reading all 176 verses of this chapter. And the reason I, I think it's interesting that this chapter is so long is that the whole thing is all about celebrating the Bible. That's what Psalm 119 is about. It's about celebrating God's word. And the Bible, Scripture, Old Testament, New Testament, is God's preserved word for us, for us to know what he has to say, who he is, his character and nature, and what he wants to do, what he wants us to do about it. There's one more thing that's unique about Psalm 119 in addition to its length. It's also a Hebrew acrostic. So if you read, if you look in your Bible, there, there's a little, there's going to be a symbol there and a word next to that symbol. So in Psalm chapter 119, verse 1, you're going to see um, Aleph above above that and a little squiggle there. Well, that's the Hebrew letter for Aleph, okay? So every eight verses, there is a stanza uh, for a letter of the Hebrew alphabet, all right? So all 22 letters of the Hebrew alphabet. So it's a long poem celebrating one thing. It's all celebrating God's word. And why is it so important for the author to celebrate God's word? because it matters where something comes from. Actually, yeah, okay. <clears throat> ah, that's good. So let me read the first eight verses. Psalm chapter 119, verse 1. Blessed are those whose ways are blameless, who walk according to the law of the Lord. Blessed are those who keep his statutes and seek him with all their heart. They do no wrong, but follow his ways. You have laid down precepts that are to be fully obeyed. Oh, that my ways were steadfast in obeying your decrees. Then I would not be put to shame when I consider all your commands. I will praise you with an upright heart as I learn your righteous laws. I will obey your decrees. Do not utterly forsake me. The psalm starts off with a promise. And that's, hey, we're going to be blessed because of God's word. And when you read the word blessed, there's another way that you can think of this. Uh, Blessed means happy. Uh, that's a major pursuit. For, uh, most of us wake up in the morning, we want to be happy at some point, I, I think. Maybe some of us don't want to be. We can talk about that at some point, though. Let's, let's meet this week and, and talk about that. But it, it's, a, it's a proclamation that even while things might not be perfect in life, that because we have God's Word to celebrate and enjoy and to engage with in our life, we can be happy. That, that's something that is within our grasp to experience this side of heaven. And why is that? Because of God's guidance. We see the converse of this all around us. So many people, um, you know, we've talked about this 
um, plenty this, this year through different sermon series and the, the different scriptures that we've talked about, but people are more depressed, they're anxious, lonely, stressed than ever. But life doesn't have to be that way. And God provides guidance for a different way, a different approach, a different perspective through which we can exist and live in our life. We, we look at people living lives completely upside down. We see pain. Um, we see a good a bit of it is actually our fault because sometimes we just do dumb stuff. Sometimes we pick up the wrong cup of water, even though we know better, and, and, we, and we consume it. Um, and it's because sometimes we just aren't very steadfast or reliable in following what God has to say in his word. We, we see this probably most represented in clear teaching and principles and scriptures that we say, oh, well, well, surely God doesn't mean that. You know, uh, and we just find ways to kind of explain it away and say, oh, no, I'm, I'm sure he, that's not really what, what he wants us to do. Um, but, you know, sometimes we, <laughs> we take things and twist them just to make them more palatable in such a way that we don't realize that the ripple effect of our decision-making doesn't take us to where God's decision-making does. It's to our benefit to always trust, trust God's word. The promise is that we will be blessed. But so often we go our own way. Well, here's the thing, and here's why the psalmist celebrates God's word for 176 verses. Well, God's word is meant to be known and trusted. And this, the writer of this psalm is, is celebrating that fact because he knows that it can. This goes beyond theory, but because the psalmist has practically applied and experienced the fruit of God's word being trustworthy. That's why they're able to write all of these verses. When we trust somebody, we follow them. When we trust something, we'll engage. And when we trust God's word, we'll obey. And when we obey, we're happy. We're blessed as a result. Because it's us living life as God intends it. I mean, don't get me wrong. There are plenty of times in life where I'm very quick to uh, trust whatever seems to be right in the moment. Um, when I'm at Chick-fil-A, I just trust that it's a good decision for me to eat there. And, to, and, have, and have the chicken sandwich. Like, that's always, always going to be a good thing, right? Uh, well, something comes from matters, and maybe I don't look at the ingredients list too, too closely uh, because I don't want to know. But not every thought and idea that we have or that's posted in a meme is trustworthy unless we have filtered it through the heart and mind of God. Oftentimes, this is going to be the choice that we make in our lives between being a dysfunctional participant in society versus a functional disciple of Jesus. I'm gonna say, I'm, I'll, I'll just say that one more time. Uh, this often is the choice between us being a dysfunctional participant in society versus a functional disciple of Jesus. Because we're pulled in the opposite direction by the culture around us. But the expectation is, well, you, you, wanna be, you wanna be a functional participant in society, and these are the, these are the, check, these are the boxes you gotta check off in order to complete this. But what if those things don't fit in with what God's word has to say? And what if God has called us to live a life that's completely different? I mean, this is the context in which the whole entire New Testament is written. You know, their early church is, is living in a cultural context that is completely contrary to how God is calling them to live, the example that Jesus gave. And that's why the early church was persecuted. That's why people were killed for, for their faith. And yet, God's word calls us to be something more than what everything else is pulling us in a direction toward. The psalmist recognizes this and continues in Psalm chapter 119. This is the, the, the last large chunk of Psalm 119 we're going to read, starting in verse 9. 
How can a young person stay on the path of purity? By living according to your word. I seek you with all my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Praise be to you, Lord. Teach me your decrees. With my lips I recount all the laws that come from your mouth. I rejoice in following your statutes as one rejoices in great riches. I meditate on your precepts and consider your ways. I delight in your decrees. I will not neglect your word. In the 16 verses that we've read so far, there are 17 references to God's word. In fact, every verse in Psalm 119 makes some sort of reference to God's word, with the exception of about five, I think, five verses that don't out of the 176. In the whole psalm, there are 10 different Hebrew words that are used to reference God's word that kind of give us different perspectives, kind of paint a a picture for us and how we look at it as a whole. So let me just uh, give you an idea of what those 10 words are. One is that God's word is law, where there's teaching and instruction throughout God's word for us to follow. The second is that um, there are rules here. There's legal authority uh, that God has because of who he is. Statutes is another word that's used. A record of God's stated will and guidance. Ways, emphasizing how to live. Precepts, outlines what we should do. Decrees, this is what the king declares. Uh, The word, what the Lord has spoken. The promise of God emphasizes the spoken word of God. The commands of God, he's the chief lawgiver. This is what he has stipulated to be so. And the faithfulness of God's word highlights how God's promises are written down and show his faithfulness. And it becomes very apparent as you read through all 176 verses that the psalmist is celebrating God's word because it can be trusted in both its message and the result. So so it's not just that the psalmist has said, you know what, these sound like a lot of good ideas that make me feel good. And I really like that. That, I mean, that's why we share memes, right? I mean, we think, oh man, that's clever. I like like how that that makes me feel. It makes me smile, makes me chuckle, or that seems wise in in the moment. But I'm gonna tell you, I've seen a lot of memes that I'm, I'm just gonna let you know. If you spend the next 10 years living out the truth of some of the memes that people share all the time, you. I, I'm just, good luck. <laughs> that's just all I'll say. It's the wrong cup. I'm, I'm just going to say. That's my unfiltered uh, opinion there. And I'll be there for you in the 10 years down the road, and I'll say, why in the world? No, I'm just kidding. I won't, I'll just think that. I won't, say it out. I won't say it out loud. It matters where things come from. Like, where, where, where did that phrase, like, where, where did that originate? What kind of worldview, what kind of philo- philosophical you know, stance did that come from? The psalmist doesn't just look at this and say, oh, I like the idea of being happy. Okay, I'll just go be happy. No, he says, I can be blessed in my life because I'm following your word, because I'm obeying, because I'm putting it into practice, and this, this is the result of me doing this. So he took the ideas, put them into practice. You know, if we really do believe that we have God's word as scripture in the Bible, it, it matters what we do with that and how we apply it to the world around us and to our lives. God speaks to us specifically and specially, preserves his word for us so that we can study it, so that we can know it, so we can share it with, any, with each other and so we can apply it. And I get it. Sometimes uh, I, I know that not everybody likes to read. Um, honestly, I, I get tired of hearing that um, because I think it's just lazy. Um, I think we've trained ourselves to not have good attention spans. Um, 
you know, we'd rather watch reels. I think they're, are they called reels? Christina, are you in here? Can you tell, is that what it's called? Okay, thanks. Thank you for uh, killing it on our social media. You're, you do such a great job. Um, <clears throat> I don't. I don't know how to. I don't know how to do a reel. Um, I don't. I don't know what a TikTok is. I'm just kidding. I, I know what those things are. Um, <clears throat> sometimes we treat, you know, knowing God's word like it's a burden, like it's a task, like it's something that we have to check off, like it's an afterthought. Um, the perspective of the psalmist here in 119 is very different from that. He's celebrating the fact, and 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 doesn't even have what we have. <laughs> You've you got to keep in mind, like, the rest of Scripture hasn't even been written at this point and is celebrating the fact that he's got the Pentateuch to celebrate and to study and to read and to know. Um, and yet, this is a place that we can be in our life when we trust the message and we see the result. Because the outcome of us living out God's Word faithfully is this attitude to his Word. Because that's how much of a difference it makes in our life. C.S. Lewis compares Psalm 119 to a piece of embroidery lovingly stitched, stitch by stitch in the quiet hours for the love of the subject and for the delight in leisurely disciplined craftsmanship. I mean, the time and effort that it takes to make all eight verses off of each letter. I mean, to me, it sounds more like a sappy love letter. You know, A is for how amazing you are and you are prettier than an aardvark, and you're the apple of my eye, you know, for like eight verses, and B is for how beautiful you are and how much you behave well. I don't know. Um, <clears throat> listen, the Bible is the most unique and most widely attested historical document in existence. I mean, categorically, across the board. And its consistency, historically and archaeologically, is astounding. All that's amazing. However, it's also the form in which God chose to preserve his word through us and for us. And, and that's even more incredible in my mind. The psalmist is having a moment here. They're celebrating God's word. You know, praise, rejoice, delight are some of the words that they use to describe their interaction with God's word. Let me just read a few selected other verses through Psalm 119 for us to maybe hopefully capture some of this celebration. Psalm 119, verse 20, my soul is consumed with longing for your laws at all time. Verse 80, may I wholeheartedly follow your decrees that I may not be put to shame. Your word, Lord, is eternal. It stands firm in the heavens. Your faithfulness continues through all generations. You establish the earth and it endures. How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Because I love your commands more than gold, more than pure gold, and because I consider all your precepts right, I hate every wrong path. Your statutes are wonderful, therefore I obey them. The unfolding of your words gives light, it gives understanding to the simple. One of the things that becomes very clear to me as this psalmist writes through this is one of the things that's been consistent with God throughout humanity, throughout generations, is that God is not distant and secretive with us. That he very much just says, hey, I'm, I'm going to share all of who I am, all of, all of what I want you to know and experience about me, about life, what, what this looks like, and how I'm striving to redeem the relationship with you that has been broken by sin. He, he lays it all out on the table. He gives us special revelation through Scripture so that our hearts and minds can grow with him to be more like his. And yes, we won't understand everything about what we read and what we put into practice even in our life, but that has more to do with our limited capacity as finite beings 
versus the depth with which God shares of himself. And so the point isn't even necessarily that the psalmist is celebrating how well he's ever able to understand every single thing that God says, but that when he puts it into practice, he recognizes that he is blessed as a result. And there's not a point in which we've arrived when we've read through the Bible. You know, um, as we come together and worship, we are worshiping through God's word in this moment as we're in the text. We are not worshiping what I have to say about it. And so I'm not coming to you because I'm saying, hey, I've arrived at reading the Bible. And so I'm I'm going to like drop some knowledge on you and let you know. No, this is something that we're engaging in together as a congregation in this moment during our worship. This is, this is all directed to God, not from me to you, not you to me. That's not what's happening here. We're celebrating what God has to say, and we're engaging in it together. The richness of the text proves itself out in the continual reading of it. You can read the same text as many different times in your life, and you will experience it in unique ways in different periods of time in your life as the meaning is applied in the different contexts that we find ourselves in. You know, we, and we don't all read the text of the Bible the same way. We don't all have the same level of trust and celebration for Scripture being God's Word. The psalmist didn't start off that way either, however. In Psalm 119, 169, they write, May my cry come before you, Lord. Give me understanding according to your word. And so the idea isn't here, I've got everything together. I'm ready to go. I understand everything, and I'm ready to go. They say, hey, help me as I go. To, to understand, as I put this into practice, as I'm obedient, as I'm, a, as I'm faithful, help me, help me, help me to see. And, and I'll just let you know from personal experience, as you continue along, you'll gain the benefit of understanding more, the more faithfully you apply his word. These words are the result of faithfully obeying God's word over a significant period of time. Because God's word is testable, it's repeatable, And when we have a taste for how sweet the words of Scripture are to our lives, the words of this world won't be enough to satiate our longing for what God has to say. Trust and celebration of God's Word produces a desire for His Word. There's such a longing for God's Word represented in this text. There are a lot of things I long for. I long for low to no humidity. I long for mid-70s with no humidity. I long for homemade chocolate chip cookies. Right now, that would be amazing. Um, With a tall glass of ice cold milk, whole milk. Yeah, ice cold. Yeah, okay. Um, Now I'm now I'm preaching. Uh, I I I long I long to play golf. I'll stop there. I I love God's word. I think it's amazing. Do I do I have a longing for what He has to say and the difference that it makes in my life? As the psalmist says, is my soul consumed in Psalm 119, verse 20? As the deer panteth, as we talked about last week, is it before my thoughts and longings? This desire for God's word, it's not meant to make us feel less than this psalmist. Or, um, it's something to aspire to. Sometimes I think we, we don't think we add up or we're not going to understand or we're, we're intimidated, those kinds of things, so we don't even try, we give up. No, it's just a reminder of the goodness that to, is to be found in God's word. It can be trusted, celebrated, and desired. Because the voice that we listen to matters. What we engage in, how we're carried along by the life that we live and the situations that we find ourselves, those things matter. We hear a lot. We know what Karen had for breakfast, but have I engaged with the Word of God this this morning? As a kid, 
I used to drink from a hose. Anybody, anybody do that? Used to drink from a hose? They're like, yeah, we drink from a hose, America, you know? Um, now we have bottled water. I'm, I'm not sure which is better. Is it the dirt or the plastic, the microplastics in our body? Should we talk? I don't know. Is that a thing? Um, you know, natural or artificial, which, which is better? A lot of, a lot of artificial out there. And where, things, where something comes from matters. The things that direct our thoughts, our feelings, and emotions most importantly so. The voice we listen to matters. And, I mean, the fact of the matter is, is you just won't have a growing faith without engaging God's word through prayer, through meditation, through application, through praise, through relationship with fellow believers. So I just want to give you some ideas to get into the Bible. Um, first idea is just read it. Just, just do it. Um, at some point, we just have to make the des- decision to say, we're going to commit to doing this. And whether that's five minutes in the morning, whether it's 15 minutes in the evening, wh- whatever it is, um, I know that is very typical for me that if you tell me something and I don't put it in my phone and schedule it and have it in there, especially on a Sunday morning, so many of you know this about me, I'll say, I'm gonna need you to remind me because this conversation that we had Sunday morning at church, there are way too many things in my brain, this is not gonna fit in there, so you need to remind me about this conversation. Uh, Or if you see me put it in my phone, you know, like I'm not being rude, but I gotta put it in my calendar and I gotta schedule it out. Because that means, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make it a priority in this moment to be reminded and know. Because I know there's going to be plenty of other distractions. I know there's so many other things going on in my life that it will immediately get pushed out in my brain. So we just got to make the decision to say, I'm going to be an adult or I'm going to be a responsible kid. And I'm, I'm just going to put it in my schedule and make it happen. So start each morning in God's word. That, that could be for you. Maybe it's before I'm allowed to go to sleep, before I have my bowl of ice cream, what, whatever it is. Um, use an app or you can get daily e- emails. There's Bible Gateway is a great app that you can use, Uversion, um, the Bible app that you can uh, download on your phone. I mean, there's so many different plans. They'll send you reminders, calendars, all of that kind of stuff, verse of the day. Uh, <clears throat> if you spend time in the car, there's so many different um, apps that you can y- use where they will read scripture to you. One of them, one of them that I like is Streetlights because they have uh, a little bit different vocally than than the King James, and thus the word of the Lord. So, you know, that, that kind of thing where I'm like, I'm driving and I'm sleeping. Um, you know, a little bit of music behind it. Uh, so, many, so many different things out there. One of the things uh, that I really love that have come out is a book called Core 52. Um, we actually have a, a brand new resource shelf out in the lobby uh, where we have some recommended books for you to check out. Core 52 is one of the ones on there, so you can kind of see what that looks like. That's not for you to just go out and grab. Otherwise, Christina will have to hunt you down. Uh, she will find you. And she, no, uh, but there, there is a QR code up there where you can scan on your phone and give you an Amazon list you know, full of, full of those things. Um, Core 52 is a way for you to go through the entire Bible for, for key uh, foundational, practical um, uh, themes throughout the entire Bible in a whole year just for you to get a better understanding as a whole. Um, you know, read it, um, ask questions about it. It's, I, I, there's nothing that would, I would enjoy more than if you have questions, like, just shoot me an email. Say, hey, can we talk about this? I would love to, love to do that. Meditate on it. Memorize scripture. Let it infiltrate your heart, mind, soul, and your actions. Trust it, celebrate it, and desire it. I just want to encourage you, pick one of those ways that I gave you to engage God's word 
in a new way. Um, where something comes from matters. Maybe you're tired of me he hearing me say that. Um, where something comes from matters. And the ways that our hearts and minds are directed throughout the week, that, that matters. And it doesn't just affect us for the day, it affects us through the years as well. If you want to know God, he's revealed himself. He's revealed himself through the people around us as we are living out God's word. He's revealed himself through the text. And if you let that revelation guide your life, you will be blessed. It's a promise that's guaranteed through Jesus because he's the word become flesh. And he's the culmination of what God wants and desires with us in life. He's the embodiment of the sweetness of God's word in action. Where our sense of being comes from matters. May it be said of us that we are shaped by the dedication we have to what God has to say being the foundation of our life. And when it is so, even the longest chapters of our lives will be that much sweeter as they provide a testimony to God's continued faithfulness.